Right, let's uh, have a look in Matthew 12, please. Matthew 12. I, I, I presume, like Yanch, um, Bub and Morley, we're, we're cutting the length of talks down because I make it more comfortable for you with the masks. So it'll be a short talk today, so um, um, just a simple theme. Um, so Matthew chapter 12. I, I just like uh, reminding myself of how clear things are in the Bible. Before I received the Holy Spirit, like most of you, um, my friend would open up the Bible and say, read this, it's fantastic, and I'd read it. I could understand English, you know, I had year 12 education, you know, but it didn't mean anything to me. It just went over my head, you know, I thought, I don't know what he's excited about, and I just couldn't understand the Bible at all. And uh, I couldn't understand Jesus' sacrifice, you know, how, how could that change my life, how could that do anything for me, one man dying. I mean, a lot of people have died over the years, good people. I couldn't understand that. I couldn't just, uh, you know, imagine my relationship with God. You know, I've been taught as a child, you know, to how I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. See, I can still remember it. I didn't have a clue what I was saying, you know, three or four-year-old. But, um, but yeah, you, you're taught that. And, and I didn't know who I was talking to. And, you know, and I guess people go from that to thinking, well, God's my father. You know, I, you know that's what the Bible says. And so I, I, I could never, uh, I would never allow myself to um, pretend to be something, to be a Christian. I once, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I once, when I was nine years of age, went up to a hypnotist who was doing a, a show in, on the Gold Coast. I was staying there. I was nine years of age. I went up on this stage and he was going to hypnotise all these people. And after a while, he says, well, if it didn't work, go and sit down. And I thought, well, I don't want to fail at this. I'm going to keep going. And so for the next 20 minutes, I pretended to be hypnotised. The other people were really better actors than me, or, or they were hypnotised, I don't know, but we were pretending at one stage, you know, I can remember this, nine years of age, pretending on stage that we were in, air, in an aircraft and it was going to crash. And people are going hysterical around me, and I, I'm, I'm trying to act like an hysterical nine-year-old. And then we were arguing about this invisible animal that was on stage in the middle of us, and I was told it was a dog or something, and I was arguing with somebody, it was a dog, and somebody was saying it's a horse. And so, and I thought... When is this going to stop? You know, I'm ready to get off. And, and I thought, I'm never going to pretend again. It's so much hard work, right? So, uh, so when I, I heard the gospel and I finally agreed to come to a meeting, I didn't particularly want my life to change. I just wanted to get better at doing what I was doing. Um, I, I heard an opportunity to see the Spirit. And people got down to pray and I thought, I'll give it a go. And I got down and I prayed and within three minutes and I was just saying, Lord, what's it all about? I can't pretend to understand, you know. Um, and I spoke in tongues and that answered my questions. Um, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about an experience we've all had. And now we just want to go back and see how clearly Jesus laid it out in the Bible, right? Here in Matthew 12, in verse 30, he says, He that is not with me, is against me, and he that gathers not with me scatters abroad, which makes sense. We're either on the same side or we're working against somebody. You know, we're, working, we're playing for the other team. And, uh, and so I often, when I witness to people, I had a 
courtesy and also just interest, let them explain to me what they believe. Right? So, okay, well, what do you believe? Were you brought up in a church? You know, what sort of things um, do you think is important in being a Christian? You know, what, what do you know? And they're quite happy to tell me that they believe Jesus is a really spiritual man, right? great man and all that sort of stuff, but they don't really know the Jesus of the Bible more often than not. And I start prodding, you know, what about baptism? What about uh, Holy Spirit, what about things in the Bible? And they say, oh, no, you, know, you don't need to do that. You just need to believe or, or you know, call Jesus Lord or do something like that. And, and so I go back to the scriptures and say, well, okay, what did Jesus say? And he just makes it very clear here to the point that we either agree or we disagree. You're either with me and we're all heading in the same direction and you're endeavouring to understand what I'm saying, you know, walking with Jesus, or you've gone your own way and you've got your own opinion. And that's going to cause people to scatter, lose their way, uh, you know, because it's not the truth. You, you haven't come to the understanding. And many people think religion is just obeying whoever's in charge, you know, just blindly being led. But it's definitely not. It's understanding what Jesus said and getting results. And so as we see here, Jesus carries on. So let's see how specific he is in his instruction, how clear it is. And he says, or else, how can one enter... Oh, sorry, where are we? 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but he that blasphemes against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Holy Ghost, what's that? Suddenly, Jesus is saying, it is the most important thing. It's more important than me. Well, we know from John the Baptist that John says, I baptise with water. Repentance unto men. Jesus, or the Messiah that would come after him, he didn't say Jesus, but Messiah, he shall baptise you with the Holy Ghost. So he's saying, look, I'm all about repentance, getting people ready, right? Repent means change your mind from thinking because you're Jewish, you're, just, you're going to go to heaven, to understanding, well, hang on, there is something God is going to teach me, something more. And Jesus is going to come and talk about that thing that's more. He's going to talk about the Holy Ghost, right? Very clear, isn't it? I'm baptism. He's Holy Ghost. I mean, how can you get up confused about that? He didn't say he's going to teach you how to be a good person. Moses did that. He's not going to teach you how to love your neighbour or, or to forgive people. He's going to teach you about something really important, Holy Ghost, because that's what saves you. And as Jesus is reminding us here, you know, we could get upset with God, get upset with Jesus, you know, or, or say the wrong thing from time to time, that's understandable. But if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, if you think the Holy Ghost is useless or unnecessary, then it's like being on the Titanic and refusing to get into the life raft, right? You're going to go down, right? You're going to die. You're going to go into the grave. No Holy Ghost, no resurrection, no eternal life. That's how clear it is. That's why Jesus is saying it's so important because, you know, as it says here, it won't be forgiven now, and it won't be forgiven on the day of judgment. You won't have what it takes to live forever in the New Testament. And this wasn't available in the Old Testament. This is what Jesus died to give us. And so many people love that Jesus died and they believe in the crucifixion and they believe, you know, God so loved the world. 
that he gave us Jesus. But they don't believe in the Holy Ghost. They're not listening to what Jesus said. And Jesus went straight from saying, well, you're either with me, and this is about the Holy Ghost, or you're against me, and you're confusing people. And it's been a while since I googled how many uh, denominations, Christian denominations, there are in America. Uh, last time I looked, there were 32,000. 32,000 players say, come to me. Uh, we're right. They're wrong, right? Join our church because, you know, we love people more than the church around the corner or something like that. 32,000 different ones, right? And there is only one when on the Pentecost, the one that the disciples belonged to. They didn't go and form different ones. They all agreed with what they said. They all received the Holy Ghost. So just want to read this because, you know, Jesus is being specific about what's important. And he goes, oh, generation of vipers, in verse 34. So he didn't mind offending people. Sometimes people get offended with the word of God and think, oh, you know, we're so judgmental and, uh, you know, all these sort of things. Well, Jesus said, generation vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, that was Mr. Verse here, verse 30. Have I gone too far ahead? 33, thank you. All right. Either make the tree good and his fruit good or make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. So he's saying here either you're the same tree as me or you're a different tree, different fruit. Okay. People talk about the fruit of Christian as being the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, meekness, temperance, faith, godliness, uh, the nine fruits there. Well, that's the fruit of the spirit. That is the produce, product of being spirit-filled. Erin uh, spoke about her life changed, her lifestyle changed, her morals changed, everything else changed when she got filled with the Holy Spirit. She believed in God, she wanted to be close to God, but her life was different to God's. But once she received the Holy Spirit, as all of us, that changed in a moment. I remember getting filled with the Spirit, as I say, not thinking that I wanted to join a church. I definitely didn't want to uh, be told what to do. <laughs> I like pleasing myself. But when I got filled with the Spirit, I wanted to know how to look after this. I hoped it didn't wear off. The next day I stopped smoking. I had no interest in, in drinking. I went and saw my mates uh, who were stoned at having a jam session, and I'm telling them about what happened to me. They thought I'd gone crazy, but, but you know, it was just so real. Uh, it, it was the best thing that happened. So we get back to this, and he's saying, well, either you're the same tree as me, a good tree, or you're something completely different. And the difference was Jesus was baptised. Jesus received the Holy Ghost. It made him the Christ. Before that, it, for 30 years before that, he was just Jesus, the son of Joseph the carpenter. In the Old Testament, you couldn't be a, a priest or in authority until you were 30 years of age. And so Jesus waited all that time and then the evidence was there when he received the Holy Ghost and heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So um, Jesus had the Holy Ghost. We've got to get the Holy Ghost. Now, moving on, uh, verse 36, but I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. So it's very important that we say the same thing Jesus said. 
that we are actually with him, not just in mind, you know, emotionally attached to Jesus, thinking he was a good bloke, I'm going to be a good bloke, but to actually be able to agree with what he said, as Aaron said, about being born of water and the spirit, of worshipping in spirit and truth, all these things talking about speaking in tongues, as we'll see in a bit, mo- a bit, a bit later. And so it isn't that confusing when we think, well, okay, let's understand what Jesus said. Jesus saying, okay, it's going to be my way. It's not just a general belief in God that's important. You've got to commit yourself to actually follow through and do what I say. And it's about the Holy Ghost. Okay, so let's have a look at another verse. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 7, please, because how important was Jesus? You know, we we know uh, that he's the Son of God. Well, you know, Israel, God's people, Abraham was a friend of God. There are various relationships. Jesus is the son of God, conceived by the Holy Ghost. But he is, in the Bible, written about from Genesis right through from the Garden of Eden when God told Adam that the son of man shall tread on Satan's head, right, put an end of this deception uh, in the future. Jesus Christ was that person that defeated Satan, defeated lies in our lives. We're no longer influenced by lies and deception. We've found the truth. Jesus is going to do that. He spoke to Moses about another lawgiver that was going to bring in the new covenant. Spoke about David, that a descendant of his was going to set people free. Um, the son of David, that was Jesus' um, a description Son of descendant of David, descendant of Abraham. He said, by one descendant, one seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Jesus Christ. That's what we see. The gospel spread throughout the world. People are being blessed. And so back here in Isaiah, just want to introduce some prophecies about Jesus. Just a couple. How important was he? Well, in chapter 7, we read here in verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. That's what his relationship is with mankind's like God being with you in human form. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know how to refuse the evil and choose good. He's going to live a life like we do. But before the child shall be known to refuse evil and choose good, the land that you abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. And this is talking about a time period when the king of Judah would no longer be ruling in Jerusalem, the king of Israel, which left uh, you know, 721 BC. Uh, the king of Judah left 604 BC. going to be some time after that, uh, that's when God is going to manifest in this, this child. And uh, so that's what we know to be what people call the Christmas story, but certainly um, it's not Christmas in the Bible. This is uh, God's uh, prophecy. Over the page in chapter 9, uh, yeah, chapter 9, verse 6, just a, a couple. We could read most of Jesus' life in Isaiah. His death, his resurrection, it's all here. Speaking in tongues is in Isaiah. It's all written there. Um, so nothing's new. It just wasn't available. In chapter uh, 9, yep, and we're reading in verse 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God gave his son. And the government should be upon his shoulder, and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
And of the increase of his government and peace, there should be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order and establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform it. And we'll leave it there. Jesus is manifest, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, you know, the Prince of Peace. And yet most of this is yet to be fulfilled when Jesus returns. There's a strong evidence that Jesus is coming back to take up the throne of David and rule on earth. Not, not um, uh, allowing Satan to be Prince of this world. Satan will be bound, as we read, and it will be done God's way. And uh, that's what we're looking forward to. So these are, are strong prophecies about one person only, Jesus Christ. And they were fulfilled when Jesus came the first time. They're going to be fulfilled uh, when he comes back for us. And so just a couple of touches on who Jesus is. People uh, don't respect Jesus Christ. They, they have um, some sort of... Uh, uh, you know, friendship, as it were, with with uh, this notion of a good bloke or or somebody, you know, that, that's teaching him how to live a good life. And but uh, really, as far as God's concerned, Jesus is God, and we need to. When Jesus says something, we need to pay attention. We need to agree, not disagree. As the Lord says, we'll be judged by what we say. You know, we go through and we're opposing and we're saying, no, you don't need this, you don't need to get to baptise, you don't need to speak in tongues, you know, you don't need to be a, a live a moral life, you know, you can do what you like, you know, you're, you're saved. Well, that's not the case at all. And so we do need to be careful and most of all, we need to understand. Let's see how that takes place in Acts chapter 2 because it may be there's somebody listening today on uh, the her program, and um, we want to make it clear how it follows. And so, when did the church begin? I often ask people, so, well, when did the church begin? They say, oh, you know, the disciples following Jesus, that was the church. So, no, no, they were Jews. They were keeping the law, keeping the Sabbath, they were doing everything as Jesus was, as a Jew. Jesus wasn't a Christian, he was a Jew, and he died being perfect blameless in the law. They couldn't find anything to condemn him with. And so he's the only perfect man in the Old Testament. And he died, not for his sins, but for ours. That's why he was perfect. And so he couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't die for our sins if he was a sinner. And so when they tried him, on three occasions, they could find nothing to condemn him. And so we see here in Acts chapter 2, the disciples have been prepared to pray for about a week for this promise of the Holy Ghost. And in chapter 2 we read, uh, let's see, verse 37. Well, actually, we'll, take, yeah, we'll go a bit further. 37, because we're talking about what we need to do. We'll go to verse 37, then we'll work backwards. All right? Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? Jesus has died and risen from the dead and gone back to the Father. And now the disciples are on their own and they're being asked, well, what do we have to do, right? Um, and Peter clearly said, uh, repent, meaning change your mind from being Jewish. They were there on this Jewish feast day, day of Pentecost, we read earlier. And it says, get baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you and your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, with many other words and testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. So that's how you get saved. Peter was asked, what should we do? 
He didn't list, you know, the Ten Commandments. He didn't list the Sabbath or, or some other thing that people are so pedantic about these days. He just said, no, you get baptised, right? Like crossing the Red Sea, come out of Egypt, come out of doing it the worldly way, doing it your own way, get baptised and trust God into the wilderness, into the future and pray for the Holy Spirit. And, and the promises is there for them and it is for us today. It's the same message. And with many, many other words that exhort and display, get saved. All right? Very easy. What's confusing about that? Baptism is full immersion. That's what the word means, to bury. Uh, and it's likened to burying your old life and getting a new one. And so as we see here in these verses, he says a bit further down in verse 42, uh, verse 43, try verse 41. And they <laughs> gladly received his word, were baptised, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people were really impressed with what they heard, and they did it. It's very easy, isn't it? Better than circumcision and all those other things they had to do, it's painless, right? And so there they did. They did it. They got it. And what did they get? Well, we read down in verse 32, because I did promise we'd work backwards, and uh, Peter was able to say, this Jesus God raised up whereof we're all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he shed forth this which you now see and hear. And so Peter's saying, well, okay, I'm explaining what you just saw and heard. All right, let's go back to that, shall we? Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's what they saw and heard, people speaking in tongues. And they were curious. Some, as it goes on, thought they were drunk, just babble, gibberish. I mean, some tongues, I'm amazed how different they are. I've never heard the same one twice. And some sound like a lawnmower, just takes off 100 miles an hour, right? And you, you just can't get your tongue around the words that come out so fast. And others sound different. I mean, they're, they're amazing different songs, uh, different tongues, sorry, no dialects. But that's what they heard. And some thought they were drunk, some recognised some of the, the words there, they were glorifying God, but they said, what does it mean? And so Peter was able to explain, as I say, we work backwards, but we're beginning with, in Jesus' instruction and Peter's instruction, what should we do? Get baptised, get the Holy Ghost. I mean, what's difficult about that? Either you get it, or you don't. And if you don't get it, well, there isn't a God, is there? He's promised. He says in Luke 11, everyone that asks receives. But if you do get it, then you cannot deny Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There is eternal life. There is a judgment. And you're right with God. Incredible, isn't it? Uh, that weighs upon this simple thing. In fact, in Isaiah 28, when it talks about speaking in tongues, it says people will hear it. And line upon line, here a little, there it, they'll grow in towards in the things of God. Other people will hear it, and bit by bit, they'll move away from God. It has that effect. And a bit later, during the gifts, you'll hear speaking tongues, and you'll be impressed, or maybe you'll go the opposite way. You'll move away from God. It's just too strange. It's not your way of doing things. Well, that's why it's God's way. All right, let's have a look at another scripture because I, I don't want to be late. I promise that. Uh, we should be finishing, actually. Acts 11. And so as we just follow this through, the, one, the most um, convincing uh, events, for me anyway, in reading the scriptures about 
um, this experience. All very well, the disciples receiving the Spirit, his mother, his brothers and sisters receiving the Holy Spirit on that day. We just read about 120 people. You know, it was a, it was a very important day, right? But what about everybody else? You know, what, what about people that weren't Jewish? What about the Gentiles? Well, this is amazing. In Acts chapter 11, Peter gets himself into trouble here. And again, we're going to work backwards in a moment. But we start in Acts 11 and verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea, back in Jerusalem, heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that, went, they that were of the circumcision, the Jews, contended with him. Can you imagine? You know, most people think, holy Peter, you know, he's just so superior to everybody else. But no, people had a go at him. And uh, back in Jerusalem, they were going, what are you doing spending time with foreigners, Gentiles? There's no hope for them. You know, they're our enemies. They're Roman. You know, they're running the country, our country, right? You know, so don't trust them. Don't, don't spend your time with them. But and saying, thou went to men uncircumcised, and they'd eat with them. What are you doing? And Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded by order unto them, saying, and uh, we won't read all of it, but I want to go to verse 11, because as I say, I'm running out of time. And behold, immediately there were three men already to come unto the house where I was, sent from Cornelius, or Caesarea, sorry, unto me. The spirit baby go with them. Nothing doubting, moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. So there were three Gentiles came to visit him, and six Christian Jews, circumcised, so these are six brethren, and they all went off to see this fellow Cornelius. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in the house, and stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He shall tell you words, whereby you and all your house shall be saved." Right? This is pretty convincing stuff. I know I'm going to be saved. Well, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as it did on us in the beginning. And then when I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost. There we are. He says, I remember. John says he is involved in baptism. God's involved in the Holy Ghost. And for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed in the Lord Jesus, what was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard this thing, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, God has also to the Gentile granted repentance unto life. God has saved the Gentiles. Now, hang on a minute. How did they know? Well, we'll go back to chapter 10 and we'll just see what took place that Peter's talking about. Because suddenly he convinced these people who were so anti-foreigners, anti-Romans, Gentiles. God had never been interested in other countries, only Israel. And now, all of a sudden, Peter's spending time with foreigners. He's letting the side down. And it says in verse 44, what Peter was explaining there, and what had happened to him, while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed, the six brethren that came with him, uh, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak in tongues. There it is again. They heard speaking in tongues. And magnify God. And then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized, which should receive the Holy Ghost as well as we? 
and he commanded them to be baptised. This is the only time in the Bible that I can recall where people got the Holy Ghost before they were baptised. And the reason for that was because Peter didn't expect anything to happen. He came to talk to these people, right, maybe bring them up to speed on who Jesus was and what's going on, but nothing's going to happen, right? You know, they, they don't belong. They don't know anything about Moses and Abraham, the Sabbath, the food laws, the Ten Commandments. They don't know anything about that. And here they are, filled with the Holy Spirit, and everybody in the Church of Jerusalem and around the world at the time says they're saved. Says they're saved. Got eternal life, sins forgiven, going to heaven. And they know nothing yet. And a bit later in Acts 15, you can read it for yourself, all the, all the, the, the apostles get together and people with different opinions get together because quite a few Gentiles are saved now and say, well, what are we going to do with them? Right? Do they have to get circumcised? Some say yes. Do they have to do this or that? What do they have to do? They've got the Holy Ghost. We know that they're in the church. But what are they going to do next? And they get together and they pray about it. And James comes and says, look, I reckon we tell them about the morals, no fornication, be faithful to God. Right? Yep, that's important. Um, the other two things... We don't want them to offend anybody in the church, so no drinking blood, right, at, at uh, fellowship lunch, or strangling chooks, right, when they sit down at lunch. That's it. That's it. That's all I can think of. And so, oh, the rest, they'll work out. They've got the spirit. They'll hear the scriptures. They'll pick up. Their life will change. God will, God's in them. Isn't it incredible the liberty we've got? They then say, oh, well, let's... Let's make sure that, you know, they don't steal or let's make sure they don't lie or let's make a list of things to tell them what to do. They said, no, they're saved. They've got the Holy Ghost. Isn't that incredible? They've got the Lord in them. I find that amazing, right? Because we've got so many churches out there with all the do's and don'ts, right? The Sabbath, whoa, that's a really important one. You've got to forget, you've got to keep the Sabbath. Where did Jesus say he had to keep the Sabbath? He didn't. In fact, he was accused continually of breaking the Sabbath. It's not in the New Testament. And, and so all the, all the rest of things, the do's and don'ts, because what's happening is man is trying to model somebody into the perfect man, and it will never happen. And what you've got to do is change the person inside, not the person on the outside, make a new man out of somebody. And we've, we've seen a wonderful testimony of people involved in drugs, that's gone. Alcohol's gone. You know, immorality's gone. <clears throat> Crime, all these things people have been changed from uh, because of the power of the Holy Ghost. That, that's the difference. God makes the difference in all the people's heads.